right back to it. The Bradfoe Show on WEEI. And streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. All right, let's go. Bradford Show live from Fort Myers. Broadcast booth, Jeff Blue Park. Alongside, alongside, I mean, alongside all the way, about 1,500 miles away or whatever it is. Uh, Mark and Daryl back in the studio. And on the phone line, our great podcast friend, Heim Bloom. Heim, what's going on? What's up? How are you? Oh, my goodness. Hi, how could, are you? Uh, it's Mar- that's Mark and Daryl. Let me introduce you to. Um, so, uh, are, first of all, are you poolside or no? Yes or no? <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm in the house. I'm sorry I can't join you guys in person. Uh, just have uh, have some family that uh, joined this week uh, during school break. So uh, had to uh, had to get home and make sure they didn't tear up the house here. Uh, it's all good. Sam Kennedy was up in the broadcast booth. He bought, brought his muscle, Adam Grossman, with him. So uh, just to just to separate That's us. That's intimidating. <laughs> there was a lot going on here, uh, but we had a lot of uh, good conversations. I appreciate you guys being available. Obviously, um, before we get to sort of the the bigger picture things, uh, do you think I'm at this point that you will be adding anything of significance um, roster wise? Of significance, let's just say the cutoff being a million dollar contract. I don't know. I mean. You know, I, I think usually at this point in the, in the spring, um, more often than not, that doesn't happen. But obviously, every offseason is a little, di- a little different. Um, you know, there's different players available out there uh, in the market uh, every year. And for that matter, a lot of spring trade talks uh, usually start picking up as we get into games. So, you know, that's not to kind of lead anybody to think that there's anything we have teed up. Uh, we always try to be active in conversation and, and make sure we're all over anything that could make sense. Well, you not, you, not no, some, sorry. sorry, go ahead. No, no you would, not, it's, it's not like we sit here and look and say, okay, this is a deficiency we're tr- trying to address, but we want to get better. So if there are good opportunities to do that, if they actually make sense, uh, we want to be on top of those. Well, that's the thing. It's the old Billy Bean thing. You know, don't make you know decisions in spring training. Don't 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 jump in too quick in terms of making rash decisions because things can turn in a hurry. And we're so early. But is there a part of the team? And obviously, you know, there's one. If you talk about notable free agents, one came off the board: Elvis Andrews. There's another: Jose Iglesias. Um, so you can look at the middle infield, and you do have guys there. You have a very interesting sort of combination of guys. Is there any part of the team where you say, okay, you know what? I'm interested potentially in strengthening that. Like it, when we did the podcast, you said right-handed hitting power, right? So you went out and got it. Um, but is there anything that you're just intrigued by maybe bolstering on this roster as we sit here? Well, you know, I, I think if I had to identify anything, it would just be to continue to, to improve up the middle. Although uh, we have done a, a couple couple things to that end in recent weeks. Uh, you obviously never have enough pitching, although I do like the options that we have. I mean, you know, obviously it's early, you know, knock on wood, obviously you want everybody to stay healthy. Usually a couple things happen. Usually at some point in the spring, you get some bumps and bruises. If that doesn't happen, we're going to have some really, really tough decisions on our hands. Uh, even if it does, we feel like we fortified it, but there is no such thing as having enough. So, you know, we'll look at that too. And I think the big thing in spring, it's not so much making decisions because of spring training performance, so much as it is that as spring training goes on and teams are trying to do different things, sometimes players become available. Sometimes somebody has a need that they're looking to fill or something they're looking to accomplish, and it spurs some talks, and you have an opportunity to do something that might not have been there on February 
Hi, if I could just jump in, Bradfo, I just want to ask about, you talked about spring training performance, and you mentioned trades and possible uh, players that could be available. What about some of the guys, like the minor leaguers? Because I know a lot of the criticism that the front office that yourself have, have really absorbed over the last few, I guess, years or months. Where are the fruits of your labor? Where are some of those guys? When are we going to see some of the guys you drafted that you signed? Is there any chance that one of the younger guys, a minor leaguer, could really surprise with their spring training performance, which could maybe, as a result, fast-track them up the ladder a little bit more quickly? Could that happen? Yeah, I mean, look, if, you know, if that happens and it's really just because of some performance in spring training, then it's probably not a good idea to be too responsive to that. You probably still want to let them see it, prove it, see them prove it during the season. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, some of the guys, I think, I think, you know, obviously if not, we can go through it. Some of the guys that are kind of coming up as we do now have some guys starting to come from, from out of our system uh, that, uh, you know, that, that are going to come up and that we're counting on to play big roles for us in the big leagues. We got to see some of them make cameos last year, sometimes more than cameos due to the injuries that we have uh, and looking for more, uh, and better at them, you know, as far as, uh, you know, guys that we drafted, look at, you know, my first draft made four picks total. Uh, and that was only three years ago. So uh, usually it takes a little longer for those guys to, to percolate up through the system. There are always exceptions. Uh, I wouldn't put it past uh, any of those guys uh, in the drafts you know, that I've been here for to get to the big leagues this year. But obviously, you know, I, I, I think especially because, those drafts and the early picks in those drafts are high school heavy. Those guys probably still have a little bit more to prove. It usually takes them a little bit longer. Hi, I'm going to break some news to you about one of your minor leaguers. Nico Gavadas lost his fantasy league, and now he has to get a spray tan. So there you go. Just to, just to give you the heads up when you see him walking oh, around in a couple of days. So that's that's the next well, level. He doesn't stop hitting just because of that. Well, no. Listen, you can, if you get hit with a spray tan, you're in trouble. That should make you a better hitter. Are you kidding? Um, but I'm here, I'm here to educate and inform. Um, but so so, I'm you know one of the things that's striking is I, covering the team for a few years now. And you walk into that clubhouse; it's definitely a different dynamic. And I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just different. Where you don't have a lot of marquee guys. Um, you don't have, obviously we don't have the, the six guys, high profile guys who are in the last year of their contracts that you can just go up and say, you know, have that conversation roll over. You have a lot of guys who are coming from different organizations, coming from different times in their, their career. And then you have Raphael Devers. There's just not a lot of marquee, marquee guys that, that said, that doesn't mean that that's the wrong way to go. But when you look at your team and you're roaming the fields and you go in that clubhouse, there is probably an element of you're seeing all the good things and all these players that you acquire in the offseason. And you're watching these guys intently about little things that we aren't even paying attention to. So it, how, I guess the question I have is, as you're roaming the field and watching these guys, how do you look at this? Like, how do you look at the overall landscape of this new wave of guys that you have coming in and just thinking, hey, is this going to actually fit like I think it might fit? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, look, I, I do think that you, were, you use the word fit. Um, that is something that we paid attention to. And obviously, you know, different things happen over the course of the spring training, over the course of the season. You can't plan for everything. Uh, but we we did want to focus on having the pieces fit together a little better than at times they did last season. You know, the fact that they didn't, obviously, sometimes injuries happen, different things happen that you can't predict. But there were some fits that I think 
you know, were probably a little forced at the outset. I think over the course of the season, we started to sort some of those things out, but obviously it did, it did cost us. Um, so that's something we, we didn't want to have happen. And we wanted to, to plan just to make sure whether it was like lefty ready stuff, positional stuff, that we had different ways to go, different ways to make things fit. And I do think the fit is going to be that. And as far as the bigger question, look, there's no question, you know, we've been in some kind of a transition. You know, two things I would say about that. One, look, some of that's inevitable. Um, I, so much attention has been paid to us and how many guys are left here from 2018 and so on and so forth. Um, when you actually step back and look at the numbers, what's happened, you know, from that team to this team, let's say, is really not that different from what happens uh, most of the time in baseball. Uh, heck, there's more guys here from 2018 than 2018 had from 2013. You know, this type of stuff happens. Usually when there is no turnover, that usually ends up being a, a bad thing ultimately because, you know, teams stay stagnant. Uh, but it's definitely been more jarring. It's kind of happened more all at once than I think any of us would, would choose. You like it to happen kind of gradually. And, and uh, you know, that's what we're hoping to get to, where you look at a couple guys, like I mentioned, that are getting their feet wet in big leagues, that we are hoping to see big things from. Are we expecting these guys to take the league by storm in 2023? That's probably not realistic. That's not usually how it goes. But the idea should be that, you know, annually we can introduce new guys uh, into this mix, uh, some of whom are going to step up and, and, and be core pieces and then even though you have guys, you know, hopping in, hopping out over time, uh, it's not, you know, hopefully going to feel as jarring, you know, for us and for our fans as it has over the last two, three years. Brad, I know that you're probably the biggest baseball guy I've ever talked to, but with respect, High and oh, Bloom wow. is on. So I got to ask this question to High and Bloom because he's a big baseball guy, too. I, I just want to know, Haim, it's interesting to me as I look at sort of the trends in baseball, the Angels. Mike Trout, Shohei Otani haven't really had a lot of postseason success. The Nationals, they get rid of or they let Bryce Harper go, they win the World Series. The Atlanta Braves lose arguably their best player in the middle of the season. They go on to win the World Series. It's a very interesting trend. Now, I'm not obviously the ultimate baseball guy, but I'm wondering, has those occurrences factored into your blueprint at all? And just why do you think these types of things are happening where some of these great players either aren't making the playoffs or they leave and then their team ends up having success or their former team? Why is that happening? Yeah, really good observation. Look, I don't think it's so much something that is factoring into our blueprint as much as I I would kind of flip it. I would say that I think from a media standpoint, from a public standpoint, people get obsessed with like the shock and awe of making these big splashes, of winning the winter, all that type of stuff. When when you actually step back, there really is very little correlation between that and actually winning. Good baseball moves help you win. Now, some of those can be from our key players. Obviously, the best players in the game are, tend to be the best known. And the more of those guys you have, the better your team usually is. But it takes more than that to build a winning team. And a lot of those guys may come from within or they come from under the radar. They're not always the guys who make the biggest offseason headlines. So I, I don't really think that's anything new as much as it is that sometimes when you look at what gets people most excited in November, December, January, it may or may not actually have a whole lot to do with, with who is actually going to uh, finish on top. And so from our standpoint, that doesn't mean – you know, that every under-the-radar move we make is going to be a great one, and it doesn't mean that big moves are bad. It just means we have to stay focused on what we think the merits actually are of the move, how we think it's actually going to set us up to win, and not worry about what headlines we're going to get in the offseason. 
So as a result, has some of the criticism that you've gotten sort of pissed you off because of maybe it's coming from fans that don't quite understand the process or people that don't understand the process? No, because we sucked last year. So, you know, we're going to get criticism when that happens. Uh, that's part of the deal. Um, if we don't like it, we just got to be better. So I, I don't really, you know, I can't sit here and get pissed off at, at, at criticism. We're in a business with a scoreboard. So there's something we can do about that. And when we don't execute on it, we're going to get criticized and we deserve it. So you really, you know, can't sit here and get, and get pissed. It doesn't mean I agree with all of it. That doesn't mean I think all of it is quote unquote fair, but you know, you can't sit here and complain because, you know, if it's wrong, we got to go prove it wrong. And uh, we didn't do a very good job last year. What was the uh, what was the meeting like today? I love I love the good meeting talk, the team meeting. As as I told Sam, I said Tori Lavello gave me a preview of his team meeting of let them spend the money and we're going to beat everybody and and I love that. I love the Rudy on the stool speeches. Um, and every meeting, Alex Cora has given a few of these, and you've been pl- part of plenty of them. But the introductory, get the team together, the organization together, just get on the same page meeting. They're all a little bit different. How was today's? Well, I think everybody's going to tell you this the day of the meeting, but I thought this one was awesome. I'm not going to share a ton. I know, I know Alex shared a little. Uh, and look, some of this you hear from different people in the organization. You hear from, uh, you know, different people around the club. You want to let the players kind of in on everything this whole family is about. Um, and, uh, you know, some, some, some different faces that might step up and speak. You know, we have some special guests in camp that not even just today uh, will sometimes address either the whole group or parts of the group, um, you know, and, and Alex obviously is, as uh, he always does, spoke brilliantly. Um, you know, I just try not to ramble too much. That's usually goal number one when I talk to, to any group, uh, unless it's strategic. Sometimes I do that with you guys just to, just to get to the next question. <laughs> yeah. Never, never, never. It's, I, it's, I like I like I want I like the fire and brimstone high and bloom. I like it. Usually we get it on the podcast, but I think that I, we get a little sample of it here. And I think today the blood is boiling. We're ready to roll. Hey, hi! Before you go, what? Give me give me your pick to click. Give me a guy. Give me a guy. Give me a guy who I can look really good when I'm when I'm on uh, doing the Red Sox radio spring training broadcast and saying I like the cut of this guy's jib and he's going to surprise a lot of people that people aren't talking about? Give me one guy. Well, that, that's an interesting one because uh, I do, as far as our, our big league club is concerned, I actually, I, I, I've really enjoyed being around this group. I, I like this whole mix. I don't think I'm going to tell you anything you don't already know. I mean, you kind of know who we have. Um, obviously, we need uh, we need to see uh, him get a little closer to health and really see everything that Alberto Montesi can do. But just so excited to have him here and, and he's just so dynamic. Um, you know, wh- what I would say, I don't want to put too, too much pressure on any of these one guys. So I'm going to give you a group of guys, but okay. we saw a number. Uh, this is more looking down the road a little bit, but I think, you know, the big league roster has been kind of beat to death. You kind of, the guys, you guys kind of know who we have. Um, but uh, we have another wave of pitching coming guys that did not show up in the big league last year. Uh, some guys who were on the 40-man roster, guys like Brian Mata and Chris Murphy uh, and, and a kid named Brandon Walter who got hurt midseason and I don't think got a chance to show everybody just how good he is. Uh, keep an eye on those guys. Um, we're expecting uh, you know, some, if not all, that group to help us in the big leagues. 
uh, as, as the year unfolds. And uh, spring training is a really good time to look at them. And uh, the ceilings on them are, are pretty good. Um, they're not here to hopefully try and do too much uh, because, you know, it's a, it's a long season, but uh, excited for the contributions that we hope they're going to make. Well, I'm all in on Jorge Alfaro just because they said baseball isn't boring in two different interviews today, Heim. So there you go. <laughs> uh, so uh, that is, I mean, the, I mean, the, the hair alone, it's, it's, uh, that's big league hair. I mean, that is, if, that's if, really good. You have a lot of pull in Hollywood. So I, I am, I'm pleading with you to find make that connection with Jason Momoa. Please throws out the first pitch at Fenway. No, no, far <laughs> um, I will. Uh, I'll look into it. But, all right, uh, well, I think you overestimate my uh, my connection. No, no, no. Listen, uh, hey, listen, I'm, I really appreciate it. Mark appreciates it because you said you said that he had a really good question, so I know he appreciates that. Um, I appreciate but, that, but uh, but I, I I I do appreciate you taking the time and and being there to answer the questions, and I'm sure we're going to have more questions as the weeks unfold here. But uh, enjoy your time with your family, enjoy the nice weather, and I'll, I'll probably see you tomorrow. Sounds good, guys. I always enjoy talking to you and for exactly that reason you said, like. You know, where we, we get to get into some real stuff about our team and about baseball and you guys care and uh that's so the questions are good. So looking forward to the next time. Awesome. Thanks, Heim. Thanks, All Heim. right. That is Heim Bloom. Uh we're a little bit past the break here. We gotta get going, we're gonna do a trending. Mark Dundaro's with me. I'm Rob Bradford. This is the Bradford Show. I'm live from JetBlue Park. Mark's back at the Bradford Show studios in Brighton. Joe Braverman has you now with the trend. Welcome back to the Bradford Show. I'm live, me being Rob Bradford, live from JetBlue Park, Fort Myers, Florida. Mark and Daryl back in the studios. Mark, excellent job with Heimbloom. First time you're one for one. I one for that. One. Thanks. What was your uh, What was your takeaway? I love uh, takeaways from interviews. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was an interesting. Um, you know, I thought that he had some interesting things to say. Um, and my personal opinion, and this is just my opinion, and I don't know if he felt this way or not, but when I asked about the the trends in Major League Baseball and how some of the teams that had some of the best players aren't making the playoffs or this team got rid of this player, let this player go, and they won the World Series, I don't know, I felt a little energy in his voice. I felt mm. a little bit like he, wanted, oh, absolutely. like he wanted to say, like, yeah, that's right, and <laughs> screw all you. This is going to work. Believe in me. That's what I felt like you wanted to say. I, I think say it, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it, because we talk about you know like him getting on the soapbox and giving the fiery speeches, and obviously like that's not usually his thing. But in that answer, I did get that. I absolutely got that same sense of like, and it was a good follow up. You know, does that piss you off? And and I think that I thought he had a good answer. Like they, yeah. whether it pisses him not, it pisses him off or not, they didn't play well last year. Listen, I've supported High and Bloom, um, but that's why I was also wondering. You know, he was talking about some of the the trades that could be made in, the, in during the spring training portion of the year. But I also want to see, as do a lot of other people, where are the fruits of your labor? Like, where are the guys that you're going to bring in? Because he's let guys go. We obviously know that, and a lot of people have had a problem with that. Me, not so much. A lot of people have, though. Where are your minor leaguers? Where are your draft picks? Where are the guys that you signed that are really going to come up? I understand he could be here, you know, focus on the long term. That's what we keep hearing. But eventually, the long term has to be now. Like, the future has to eventually be now. When is that? So we want to see some production. That's why I was I thought that was an interesting uh, interview with him. Overall. No, no, absolutely. So 617-779-7937 if you want to weigh in. But I think that when you talk about you have to show results, 
this is that's what it comes down to. And he and he can say that, and he's right. But the reality is, this year is a defining moment for the way that Bloom does things. You have all these other years, and you can pick a part of a COVID and lockout and so forth and so on. But this year, they took a very specific approach to the offseason. And that wasn't to spend a lot of money on the, 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 the guys that you were talking about, the big-name guys. And that was to spread it around. That was to, as he said, make these different pieces fit better. And that is the way, and I hate to say this, but that is the Tampa way. That has worked in Tampa. Now, is it going to work in Boston? Is he picking the right guys? We're, this is going to be the defining season for Bloom. Is he going to get fired if they don't do well? No, I don't think so. I think that they have dug in on the way that they're going to do things, and that's that. I, don't, I do not think that that will be the case. But you raise a good point. I mean... It is. It, it's about. This is about a specific way of doing it, and that's how he's going to do it. That's yeah. it. So, an example, and I didn't bring this up in the question, but another team I could have thrown in there are the Houston Astros. Who? Let's count it. They've let George Springer go. They've let Carlos Correa go. Yep. And last year they won the World Series. Okay. So my question would be, and I know they just fired their GM or whatever, but my question would be, you know, where, I think what Red Sox fans are waiting for is like, where's your Jordan Alvarez, high and bloom. Where's your uh, Jeremy Pena? You know, guys like that that replaced those big names, came in, were productive, and eventually were heroes of the postseason well, when they win the World Series. The, and that's a, that's a, it's a great point, Mark, because that's the only way this works. Like, you can get the diamonds in the rough. You can get the John Schreiber, and you get the Whitlock and everything else. But ultimately, you have to replace the foundation guys that you are willing to let go. That's what the Houston Astros did because they had identified the right guys. They had drafted the right guys. They had signed the right guys internationally, so forth and so, so, so on. But the Red Sox, this is the only way this works. As if Tristan Cassis is good, if Brian Bayo's good, if Marcelo Meyer is good, if Nick York's good. Correct. You're right. I mean, that's it. And that's the part of it which we just don't have any idea. We, I'm sorry, we can't say Trist, as much as confident as Tristan Cassis is sitting down here in spring training, you have to go prove it. You, I, I, you, you hit under 200 last year in your brief time. You have to go prove it. So I, one other thing I want to get to with Mark before we uh, shift to the uh, something we were talking about earlier yeah. in the show, which is the Jason Tatum stuff, and yeah. the all-star stuff and everything else. We'll do that after the break. But to go back to the Sam Kennedy interview that we did and the ownership thing, which seems to be the topic of the day, sure. John, John Henry. One of the things, and I don't know if you, you, know, you heard the Sam Kennedy thing, but I did. He was like, well, ownership, like, I don't think fans care. And uh, and I obviously pushed back at that because I think not only do they care, but even if they didn't care, this is how it works. This is how it works. If you're bad, top of the food chain has to answer. And um, and I and, and Sam's doing his best to be the buffer for yep. John Henry. I mean, we can't lose sight of that. But that part of it, it, that's why to sit on the bench, answer the questions is important. John Henry could do anything he wants, but I thought today was a misstep. So I, I have a, an interesting, uh, I guess, perspective on this. Just because I have supported John Henry, 
The problem, because keep in mind, Brad Fowler, and I know I don't have to tell you this, but the Red Sox have won how many World Series since 2004? Oh, I'm with you. you I'm know? with so you. All those things, that, they've had different managers. They've had different general managers. They've had different best players. You know, they've won without Ortiz. The only guy that's been the constant has been the ownership group, they are John Henry or whatever. So the, I think you said it at the end of the Bloom interview. I think you used the term cut of his jib. That's a part of the problem, I think, for John Henry when Kyrie was talking about John uh, Robert Kraft. I think people just – he has a distasteful cut of his jib for people. Like, I, I, I think that's what it is. Like, he's not likable. I mean, his production overall has been there. We'll see what happens in the high and bloom era. But why else would you not – I mean, that's – Sam Kennedy's speaking for me. You just said he was the buffer or the conduit or whatever. Right. Why is that? Because maybe they feel like John Henry's not the best person to go out there and talk and address the masses. Why do you think he's answering questions via email? I don't know. It's just there's no other reason he's had the success. I just think people don't like him because of how he how he talks to them or how he addresses the media, yeah, the crowd. It, I don't know. I, well, I think the part of the problem is, and this is another reason why I think it, it would be of value to to stand up there and answer like he had always in the past, which is you have this, you have a dynamic mark where you didn't have before, where before you're right, all through all the success, it was they're all in, they're all in, all they're all in. Red Sox, look at all they're doing, and it's absolutely right. Now you have Liverpool, now you have the Penguins, now you have yeah. all this other stuff. And this perception, even though it may or may not be true, that you aren't as invested. You, you aren't all in. And, and yeah, he can go down to the Dominican endeavors that helps, sure. I think what this comes down to, honestly, Mark, is that he's just reached a point of his life where he's like, I can do anything I want. Yeah. And what I choose to is not do go on the bench and answer these questions. And, like, in... You know, unfortunately, that's his prerogative. Now, how they did it in terms of, you know, like sifting through these emails and, you know, saying to certain outlets, hey, you can you can ask them questions and he's going to answer some of the email, like whatever. They're doing their best to get him to say something. and But I do think that the Winter Weekend thing stung him. That's, this is what I want to know. If the Winter Weekend thing never happens, then does he sit on the bench today? Because I think that he's like, what? I, I, I went out there, and that's the reaction I got? Screw this. Well, that's you, know? What he, you know what, though? That's what he should say. That's what he, But he doesn't say that. Maybe that was his way of saying it by not sitting on the bench today. But he should go out there during winter weekend press conferences or town halls or whatever they are and act that way. Act more like Bill Belichick in that regard. You don't have to apologize to the fans. High and Bloom, the same thing. He shouldn't have to apologize to the fans or give the fans a pep talk. He should walk out there and be like, I know more than all of you. <laughs> so you sit back, relax, and let me do my freaking job. Well, okay. that's put. That's pushed because over the weekend, did you see in the athletic? Like Henry gave like a bunch of like sound bites. He was saying like the booing at winter weekend was false, and there's a bunch well, that, of false that's just narratives. Madness. We know that happened. Listen, I. I appreciate that they care, that the fans care, but there has to be a line there where it's like, listen, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to release this guy. You're damn right I'm going to let Xander Bogarts go, and I'm gonna, I have a plan that I'm going to put in place. So sit back, shut up, and let's do it. You know, And he doesn't have to say those words exactly. Hey, well, but that, that would be nice. If but but that's, the, that's the attitude 
that I want to have. Like during the Devers press conference when they were celebrating the signing, like a lot of that made me nauseous. Like I don't need to hear all this pumping of the tires and we're going to get there and hold my hand. It's going to be great. Like get out of here. I know what I'm doing. We have a plan. We're putting it in place. Sit your ass down. Be patient. And this is the Boston Red Sox. That's the demeanor I'd like to see from some of them. And that's the problem I've had. I, you know, hopefully it shows itself on the field, but we'll see. I just said, you know, and you're and you're right, and I think that speaks for. I think that lends itself to what Heim Bloom should say more than John Henry. I mean, John Henry can say anything he wants; he owns the team. But at the same time, when I said to Sam, said like this has had always been the case. You sit there this one time a year, you answer the questions, and he insinuated, well, things change and it's, things aren't always the same. And I understand that, but I can tell you right now, Mark, that. The as much as paranoid as they are that John Henry's going to say something at that bench, and I can go through the years where he said, "Hey, we screwed up the John Lester deal," um, or whatever it is, it's it's always good because he doesn't have to do anything the rest of the year. That's it. You sit there, you you battle with Shaughnessy or whoever, and that is it. That's that. They did it for all those amount of years. And I just think that it w- it's such a valuable thing for them to have instead of this e- – because you got these emails and you still took out stuff. Like, Joe, you just said it, right? Like, Joe, I mean, you just had the thing about the winter weekend that he's disputing that. You still took out stuff. Just get out there and do it. I, I think why he's not doing it, I think he's just like, at this point in my life, I don't have to do anything I don't want. Anyway. I, right, I agree with you. He should, it yeah. would have been better if he did that. Yes, that would have been yeah. better. Yeah, it would be better to make my day even spicier. But today's been spicy enough. It's only going to get spicier all the way to 6 o'clock. This is the Bradford Show. Mark Dendero, Joe Braverman behind the glass. And uh, so we we talked a lot about the Red Sox. We've had on Sam Kennedy. We've had on Heim Bloom. Everyone can go to the Odyssey app. Go to WI.com to check out those interviews. Absolutely, you should. It's been like a ton of good conversation so far. And now I want to go back to something that Kyrie and I started at the beginning of the show, which is this All-Star. Did you watch the All-Star game last night? I mean, I watched uh, I mean, relatively. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, matter. For crying out loud, yeah, yeah. a friggin' thing. Yeah. yeah, I watched. All right, all right. Well, it's, save, 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 save it just a little bit. So we're going to come back. And I, w- I want to get into sort of not only the All-Star game, but the sort of sort of dovetailing with what we're talking about with the Red Sox, the importance of stars. And we asked Kyrie to find a star in the draft for the Patriots. The importance of stars and Jason Tatum obviously being the star and how important that is. All of that. Like, it all, like the launching pad is that All-Star game last night for so, ma- so much conversation. We're going to have that conversation first. We're going to take a break. All right, Brad Froh Show's back. Rob Bradford here, live from JetBlue Park in Fort Myers. Mark and Daryl back in the Brad Froh Show studios in Brighton. Mark, how's, Grandpa, your, how's your day going? You, you, you've nailed it this first hour, man. Going great. I was outside working on the short game earlier in the yard oh, oh, uh, right before coming in here. So, you know, it's been great. I feel How'd like... that short game go? Awful. Yeah. Need a lot of work, but at least Did I got you a chance see... to get out there and work at it. So you're a golf guy, Mark, yeah. correct? Okay. Did you see the Netflix series? I'm on episode seven. Yeah, seven. Isn't there only like seven episodes? I think there's eight. Eight. I saw them all. 
You saw them all. Yeah, you watched them all already. Jeez, I thought I was going fast. It's awesome. I love it. It's intoxicating. Yeah, so it's it's the same construct that we see with Hard Knocks, with anything else. And, you know, HBO has done so well. It makes you care about people who you might not care about. That's what it comes. And you, sure. I, I know you're a golf fan, but I'm I'm not to the point where I could tell these guys who Netflix are featuring in this series. I know some of them. But other, who's the guy who basically somebody has to be the 79th best golfer in the world? Oh, uh, D- D- Duheim or D- yeah. D- Dahman or something like Dahman, that? Yeah. Dahman. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but it's it's that's it's the best thing that golf has done in a long, long time. Awesome. It yeah, it, it creates excitement, and they do a good job for the person that might not be as into golf of explaining everything and you know, outlining kind of what's what within the game. It's a great, it's great, it's a great take. Well, remember like that with the boxing, HBO would have these leading to their boxing matches, and they would do the, uh, you know, the what I forget what they called them, the behind the scenes, the and, and they would follow around these guys. It was the perfect way to get people interested in, in a boxing match, which you otherwise would have no interest in, oh, zero. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Congratulations, golf. Um, all right. <laughs> Uh, speaking of uh, getting people interested, I had suggested, Mark, uh, when we we're trying to figure out what to do with these these, these fraudulent All Star games, uh, you look at the NBA All Star game last night, and obviously, you know, it was basically okay. You score, now I score, now you score, now I score, and yay. Um, but I say just do some skills, and then basically have an enormous podcast where someone's on the they're in the middle of the stage doing the shop, whatever that LeBron show is called, showing these guys' personalities, have a basic, have basically a show, like a show. That, to me, is a more entertaining show than watching guys do layups and shooting 50-footers. Anyway, that's what do you think? I think baseball has the best All-Star game now. And I think they might have always had the best All-Star game. And just so we're clear, I was a guy that enjoyed when it counted. I liked that. I know a lot of people didn't like that. I liked that. I don't mind that it doesn't. Um, but baseball players play baseball in the all-star game. And I like that. Okay. I'm a big, see, here's the problem. Some of the fans, the casual fans might not get as into some of these extracurricular things, an all-star game or the international events, but baseball people or people that actually like the sport get into it. Like I love the world baseball classic cause I'm a baseball guy. The all-star game in basketball has turned into a joke. It's a circus. Okay, and it shouldn't. It should be eviscerated. Like it's the Pro Bowl <laughs> when it shouldn't even be that. Because in basketball, you can play a game. Like it can be a game. It doesn't have to be full force. Which, you know? which it always was, by the That's way. That's right. It used to be. It used to be at least a game. Yes, maybe Shaq dribbled through his legs a couple times and tried to shoot a three pointer. But by and large, it was a game. What we saw last night was just a bunch of guys out on the court. Basically, during like a shoot around with jerseys. And then, you know, every now and then they somebody would get in front of somebody and then let them go by and they dunk it. it. There's nothing endearing about the all-star game at all. Congratulations, Jason Tatum won MVP, and I'm not a hater, but like an MVP of what? Shoot around <laughs> warm-ups? Like it's just a joke right now. Yeah, so I would so it is the all-star game conversation is I, I don't disagree with you. And I'm not just saying because I cover baseball, because you said it you hit the nail on the head. They play. They have to play. They baseball. played the game. You That's have right. to. You have to play baseball. Now I will say this, and I said this earlier: the whole thing of them trying to make it count to make them try harder 
which was giving them something that is like it was so unbelievably valuable. I don't even think people really con- conceived like how valuable it was. Home field advantage for the World Series for the All Star Game, which was they overcorrected. Mark, the problem was is that having covered All Star Games before, what happens is that. The players leave in the sixth inning. They're on the private jet, yeah. which is what happens in spring training. In spring training, the, that stars get taken out. They're on the golf course by the time the seventh and eighth innings are going around. That's what was happening with the All-Star game, which is normally fine, except that you're playing for home field advantage. I mean, it was crazy. A lot of people didn't like it, and I understood. I, they had their points, and I didn't even dispute that. But I thought it was fun. And I thought it was cool, and I had no problem with them doing that. I thought it was a nice little refreshing change. Well, all I know is this, is that football disbanded. The the flag football thing was an absolute joke. Oh, I hated it. And by the way, I don't know about you. I'm looking at them. They're going to tear their ACLs just as easily playing flag football. Like, what's happening? So, uh, So, anyway, that's a joke. The NBA didn't have to be a joke, but I think that Kyrie hit on something early in the show, which was the the NBA All-Star game needed to be good before. They were revitalizing their brand with Magic and Bird and that whole thing. And I went back to when Magic came back after having HIV and you know he came back for the All-Star game and won the MVP. Like that was a big big deal, but they played basketball. And now it's what you're seeing now is like you said. It's it's just other than some one on what they should do is one on ones the entire game. That's I get. I mean, it, the Harlem Globetrotters versus whatever that team they play is more competitive. You know, and one games are more. Comp- I mean, that at least resembles basketball. It's a crazy creative style of basketball, but at least it's basketball. This is not back. This is just all right. It's your turn. You want to take a shot. You want to dunk one. All right, I'll let you go by. You dunk one. It's practice. It's warm-ups with jerseys. That's what it is. All right. So, as you said, Jason Tatum was the star of All-Stars, and that's good for him. And it's good for the Celtics because in the NBA, you need star to win. But I want to go back to the conversation we had earlier in the show about when we looked for stars in Boston, is Jason Tatum has to be number one. And we're going to reflect on how far he's come in the last couple of years, where he's going, how important it is. And, and what we had this, we rated the other stars. And when Mac Jones lives at number three, you know you're in trouble in this town when it comes to stars. But I want to get your take on that, Mark Darndaro. I'm Rob Bradford, Joe Braverman behind the glass. We got to take a quick break. But who is, where are all the stars in Boston? We know one. That's Jason Tatum. Where are the, all the others? We're going to talk about it after this.